This Lead Talk features Michelle Hovitt, Client and Partner Innovation Director for KSM Consulting, and Chris Atkins, former CFO of the State of Indiana and current Vice President of Digital Government Transformation for SAP, recorded live August 17, 2017. Today uh, is a topic that is very pressing and crucial, and our topic today is the opioid epidemic. I couldn't believe it when I saw this, but according to a recent report, opioids kill 142 Americans every single day. In 2016, just last year, opioids killed more Americans than those that died in the Vietnam War altogether. It's tragic. In 2015, it killed more Americans than car crashes or gun violence. So, friends, this crisis is very real and it's devastating families across this country. In fact, last week in recognition of the seriousness of this crisis, we saw President Trump give a strong signal that he would declare the opioid epidemic a national emergency, which will bring a lot of new resources and energy to solving this problem. And that's where our topic today really comes in because technology and data is already and can play a lot more significant role in solving this crisis. It's happening in a few states already, and it can and will happen in your state as well. And that's what our topic today is all about. Uh, before we introduce our guest today that's going to help us explore this topic and get started, a couple of housekeeping items uh, as always. First, if you have any questions today, please email them to me or our guest, Michelle Hovitt, which I will introduce in a minute. We'll give you our emails at the end of this webinar. You can also share this webcast via social media, and please do so by clicking on the Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn widgets at the bottom of your screen. Also give you information about how to uh, follow Michelle and I on, on Twitter at the end. Okay, let's get started and figure out how you can solve the opioid crisis. Our guest today is Michelle Hovitt, who is the Client and Partner Innovation Director at KSM Consulting. I have known Michelle and worked very closely with her for the past several years, and I assure you she has a very unique blend of practical governing experience and knowledge of and passion for technology solutions like analytics. She was critical in helping the state of Indiana develop our analytics platform and solutions, and I know she is going to uh, address Indiana uh, and other topics with us on the webinar today as well. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us. And welcome to the webinar. Tell us a little bit about your background and your uh, new work at KSM Consulting. Perfect. Chris, so happy to be here to get today. I'm excited about my role. Uh, I get to work with amazing customers and partners like SAP and use technology to really make a difference in people's lives across the U.S. And I've been fortunate over the last 25 years with experience in public sector in Colorado to work not only at the top level of an organization like you did, Chris, as a CFO, but also within technology and within a federal space. And so my goal has always been to bring technology to people and make a difference in citizens' lives. So we're going to talk about that today. And I want to share all the, what I've learned across different customers that I engage in. I cover all 50 states in the U.S. And so I look for ways of sharing information, which I hope to do today, and showing you things that other people are doing, perhaps as a best practice, perhaps as a new way of gaining insight into a problem. But I think it's going to take all of us to come together to talk about the topic today on the opiate epidemic 
and make a difference. And so um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be with my new role as Innovation Director at KSM Consulting. I met them when I was doing work with the State of Indiana and have been impressed with, with what was done with them with Data Insight, looking at data-driven results and all the other things that go along with that, like project management and other services. So I am here today to share, to answer questions, and to just really shed insight into how data can really, truly make a difference in what we do every day in government. Michelle, thanks for that introduction for our listeners, and I'm so glad you're with us today. Uh, I also have uh, had a very positive experience, uh, you know, working with uh, your new employer, KSM Consulting, um, uh, both as a partner and a client as well, and uh, they are uh, truly doing some innovative things uh, in the space of data analytics, and uh, pleased to work with you in that new capacity and introduce you to our listeners uh, in that new capacity as well. Today, Michelle, you're going to help us think through some digital strat strategies specifically uh, to solve the opioid crisis, uh, which, as I mentioned uh, in my opening remarks, um, is uh, absolutely a devastating drug crisis affecting uh, the citizens of each state today. Can you briefly run us through the agenda for today and tell us broadly what our listeners are going to take away uh, from the presentation today? Sure. So. Four high-level things absolutely we want to get through today. Certainly, you know, combating the opiate epidemic as we see it today. I'll give you some background of what's happening across the country, what others are doing, and how they're trying to influence the outcome and, and change the tide here with the opiate epidemic. I learn best by examples, and so I'll walk you through kind of a case study that we have done at the state of Indiana working with that uh, customer to show how data can really get you insight into the problem. Finally, you need some funding opportunities to make all of this come to life as government. We have limited resources, so I'll give you a couple ways to look at how to get funding and to help um, influence others to utilize funding that's out there. And quickly, just some three steps how to get started. I mean, you know, today is the day to get started, and hopefully, after you hear this webinar, you'll be able to walk in the door tomorrow at work and just get running. So finally, obviously, we're always happy to answer any questions that you have and, and give you insight that we have into the issue. Michelle, that sounds like a terrific agenda, and I know our, our uh, listeners are going to appreciate all of this insight, uh, in particular, you know, the next steps, because I think it's easy <clears throat> for thought leaders like us to to think sometimes theoretically and never really make it practical and, and help our listeners um, figure out and think through how to execute. So uh, really looking forward to that. So let's get into now um, um, how we're combating the opioid e epidemic, uh, what the states are doing, uh, and how they can use uh, data analytics to help. So um, on this slide, um, talk about the magnitude of the problem. I mentioned some stats in my opening comments. But how big is the opioid epidemic, and why is it so important that government really focuses on trying to solve it? Yeah, Chris, that's a great question. So in my travels across the country talking to agency head, department heads, health officials, public safety officials, and others, you hear the stories, right, and it's heartbreaking. This really was a slow tsunami of a problem starting over 12 years ago. Pain management has grown to a key element of treatment and has become more mainstream over the, this past decade. So many providers were prescribing, and there's no, there was at the t 
time no real good way to track the problem. And so no one particularly saw it coming. It was growing over time and turned into the massive problem I think we're all seeing today. Uh, many states felt this impact through one avenue or another, you know, with issues coming in either through policing or through health and human services or foster care or other areas. So many have worked over time really to implement something around technology that would help the issue, and they implemented um, PDMP programs or prescription drug monitoring programs, and that would require doctors that prescribe some of these pain medications, uh, opiates, and others to start tracking and, and updating in databases in states or counties where that's being done. So that helped at least gain insight over time of prescribing doctors what's happening. Because, you know, when you go to a doctor, you could go to a, a doctor, a dentist, um, various uh, types of medical practices, and they may not know what other pain med meds you're on or you forgot to tell them or didn't know that one of your prescriptions was a pain medicine. So at least with these um, prescription drug monitoring programs, they're in 49 states right now. They've been in place in some states for years. Some are just starting. So there's one last state that's getting started on that this year, and that's Missouri. So that is one way to get more insight into this. But really, this is a problem that unfortunately uh, spans every demographic we have in this country. It is a problem in every nook and cranny of our country. It's in rural, it's in big cities, it's everywhere. It's children being born with neonatal syndrome, um, being born addicted, and having to detox the first two weeks of their lives. And so it's just a problem being seen everywhere. And, and when people are cut off from getting some of their pain medicine because now they can't pill shop doctors uh, because of the databases in place, they're going to things like heroin or synthetic fentanyl or ordering drugs from Russia or China over the Internet. And really bad drugs are coming in for really bad reasons and causing a ton of health problems. So it's a huge issue. Um, again, I think... What I, I love about the press covering this today is that I think the stigma is changing since it does touch every demographic. It could be the high school kid that just got their wisdom teeth pulled and were prescribed more than 30 days' worth of drugs. It could be a soccer player that blew out their knee, and again, it could be a child that was just born that had no choice in the matter or a veteran coming back you know, that had no choice in the matter for you know, being wounded in action. So everyone's being impacted by this, and everyone wants to help. So it will take every resource we have to combat this, this program. And so you can see, you know, the, the statistics, Chris read statistics on the screen, but I think everyone's been touched by this in one way, shape, or form. So it's a huge problem, and I'm hoping it's one we can help influence the outcome after today. Yeah, just a th couple of thoughts uh, to follow up, Michelle, before we move on to the next slide. Um, the, the tragic nature of this just stuns me. I mean, you read reports about, you know, teenagers dying from an overdose and their parents didn't even know there was a problem. You know, just the suddenness of this, the impact on families. But then also, just as you were talking, thinking about the, the cross-functional nature of this in government. I mean, you and I both worked in the public sector. We know the silos and how difficult it can be to break those down. But here you have providers, pharmaceutical companies, families and citizens, but then you have, you know, providing care for veterans, uh, health care, et cetera. It's just so many silos that you have to break down to solve this problem, which is why I'm, I'm super excited uh, that you're here and uh, are going to help us think through that today. So, Michelle, um, I mean, we've talked about how bad the problem is and how urgent it is that government focus on solving this. 
But you and I both work in government, and you and I both know there are several steps to get from problem to policy to program design, management, and implementation. So can you help us here with this slide think <clears throat> strategically, how does data and technology help government solve a problem like the opioid crisis or really any problem that government wants to solve? Yeah, great lead-in, Chris. I think this is such a great time to be in technology. Over, you know, over the decades, government has been collecting data around all the services to people they provide, and most government entities are sitting on a ton of data, but not a ton of information. So now, that's why I'm so excited, now and in the future, there's technologies in place that will allow you to put massive data sets together in new ways, or even little data sets with massive data sets in new ways that simply was not possible just a few years ago. So putting all the data together and gaining insight really is key. But how do you gain that insight, right? Which initiatives are successful? What I really like to start thinking about is the outcome in mind. What are we trying to solve? Where are you trying to get to? You know, don't boil your data ocean or lake. Don't make it into a data desert. But think about the pain points in your jurisdictions. What is that low-hanging fruit, that guidance that is needed in new ways in perhaps successful programs or um, programs that may need some assistance? And really it's you wanting to know why. Why can we make changes? How can we use technology? Think about the scarce resources you also have to deal with, both in people and time and money. Um, and how can you put those to best use? So, you know, what programs should you fund? What resources should be allocated to what programs? How do you figure all, all of that out? Um, right now, I think it's done a lot by expertise in various fields, health and human services, policing, finance, and others. Um, sometimes, though, it's guesswork and gut work, and sometimes it's politics. So to me, the interesting point, and, you know, this is my point of view, but I really think that data is that one beacon that everyone can focus on, can look at, to be that shining light to gain insight into these issues for you. So it really is about starting with the outcome in mind and not diving deep into the massive data sets and getting confused and stuck in that complexity. It's about what is the issue and then how can data help. Thanks for that strategic overview, Michelle, on the importance of data. You know, I'm also a big uh, believer in that. And uh, getting on my soapbox again, you know, for my listeners, they've heard me say this before, but uh, if you can throw all the people and the money that you wanted a problem, but if you're not also throwing data at it, you're not truly going to solve the problem in a meaningful way for your citizens. So let's get a little more specific about opioid strategy and how can data help guide government to really develop those effective policies and design effective programs to fight the opioid crisis. Okay, great, Chris. And, and this slide, I think, is where you start seeing the experts, if you will, in health and human services or policing or other areas asking the questions that they ask typically every day, what's going on, where are these happening, what patterns are being um, looked at, and, and then marrying it to the right on the techniques within technology. And so what I'm talking about is when you bring these things together, both technology and people and looking at outcomes, what I love about this is that you can see unforeseen opportunities. So when you can see things with data combined in such new ways, there are things that you couldn't see before. So, for example, 
are there patterns in pharmacies that were being robbed? Well, what would that have to do with opiates? Um, in many cases that we've seen, that that is a contributing factor to what's happening in a county or a city. So getting to that data, getting to insights, asking the right questions really is, is where you start the, the path, down the path of data disruption. How do you know where the health care clinic should be located? What type of naloxone and at what quantity and what training to what individuals should be administered? And so all these can start to be answered because the information is in that data. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we're all sitting on a lot of data, but let's start using it to gain information. So there's techniques for the technologists on the phone that you can do within your data. No data set is ever clean. <laughs> so you really have to start with the duplication of information, really identifying um, which drugs are the problems to the overdose. And um, as you see in your data sets, as you start working within them, you'll see different acronyms for drugs, just like a street name could be ST or S-T-R-E-E-T, -E -E that type of thing. You have to clean all of that up. Um, you can work with um, different standardizations. You can figure out where the aberrations are. What are the abnormalities out there that we need to start looking at that could be a new pattern? In this case, there's some insight given into the um, pharmacy robberies that were happening. So again, tying all of this together, I think, is the magic of where we start, and we start by disrupting things with data. Michelle, I'm struck that those questions that were asked on the last page and you know how you talked about answering them, I mean, if you can answer those with data, you are truly going to take positive steps towards data-driven government. But then I'm one, also what I'm struck with about this slide is you know, how you've wrapped it up into a simple strategic framework. And I, I think of a, 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 someone on the business side uh, of the aisle in the public sector seeing a lot of value in this slide in particular and trying to think strategically uh, for government about how you break down the silos and all the different processes that have to come together. So uh, talk about how you've wrapped it up here uh, into a very simple framework. Yeah, I love that this can be a very simple framework, Chris, so thanks for really pointing that out. Uh, really, you need to look at this as a holistic problem. So it's not my problem, it really is our problem when you're going to work every day trying to make a difference in, in government, you know, it really is a larger problem than perhaps one agency. Now, one agency can look into issues, addressing them, and any of the four across the top, right? What are some things we could do better? But I think we won't get to better outcomes for citizens and help stop the tide of the tsunami without looking across multiple agencies. So just thinking of the big areas of policing, healthcare, treatment, and recovery, Obviously, you need regulatory and policy and funding issues, but balancing that on top of the people issue, really all of this is what we're talking about. Technology aids it, but it is a people issue to start. People have to cooperate. They have to communicate, provide education. And underneath all of this, what I've been hopefully conveying today is that if you build this on a foundation of data, data science and analytics, you will gain insight going up that framework, communicating, educating, and bringing together all of those types of agencies across the top, hopefully getting to better decisions on resources, on budgets, policies, and decisions, and ultimately reversing that tide of babies being born addicted, that type of thing. So hopefully this is something that people can start thinking about, about breaking down those silos and making a difference because it is all of our problem. Yeah, this is great, Michelle. And just one comment before we move on here. Um, 
data, as you mentioned, really can be that foundation or foundational layer that cuts across. Uh, you think about the four boxes, the dark blue boxes at the top. Those are three or four different agencies delivering those services in most state or local governments and typically doing that in a very siloed fashion. Um, and uh, if left to their own, our own devices, frankly, um, each agency would also go out and seek their own data and analysis as well. And you can really see the potential for data uh, to be the common layer or thread that brings it all together so that um, the citizen is getting a unified or holistic approach um, because that that's really what it's all about. I think when we talk about a holistic approach, we're really talking about an approach that makes sense for the citizen because they don't care about how you uh, break down functions in state government. They just they need uh, they need help. They need services. They need treatment. Uh, et cetera. And so I, I just really love how, how you've laid this out here and, and how it's uh, silo-busting in a very positive way uh, in the public sector. Michelle, let's get a little bit into the, the technology architecture side and how this would be specifically landscaped, you know, to help all this come together. Um, how, how does it all come together in a way that government can act on? You've got all this different data, and we're going to get into uh, the specifics of Indiana here in a moment, but you know, how does it look to bring all of this together, and then what can you actually start to do with the data in the opioid space? So I think first, Chris, you need to identify the different data sources that you may have out there. You know, is it pharmacy data? Is it drug lab data? Is it drug overdose? Is it first responder data? Where does it all come from? And again, then you take the data, cleanse it, par cleanse it parse it, get it ready for use, and then you visualize it so that key decision makers can start seeing the impact. So you go from data to uh, managing the data to gaining insight at the bottom. And so one of the dashboards um, that I'll show here quickly is just the one on the left. You see the big red swath going across the bottom of that uh, screen, and it's getting bigger as it goes to the right. That's opiates. So in the state of Indiana, that's been their experience over the last 10 years by bringing in drug lab data and seeing the impact of what opiates have done over the last 10 years. So visualizing that, understanding the tsunami of the problem, starting small, going really big right now, is what we're going to be talking about. So I'm excited to give you some more examples about what exactly happened. Again, that story that I wanted to tell you about um, to make it land home for you today. Okay, so Michelle, in the last section we really talked about the overall framework um, talked about a lot of theory, a lot of strategy, and as you mentioned, let's start to bring it home for our listeners today and get a lot more specific. And let's talk about how a particular state, in this case Indiana, which you've already mentioned, has actually put this framework into practice. And first, you know, let's, let's resize the problem here uh, on a more state-specific level. How big is the opioid problem in Indiana today? So the work that was done by the great people that work at the state of Indiana, you know, they, they looked at the data. They found that a 500% increase in opiate overdoses since 99 has occurred. Uh, that enabled the governor to create an executive order saying, you know what, we need to get on top of this. We need to form a drug task force. We need to move forward. And so that has resulted in looking at data in new ways and looking at where treatment centers can be placed, um, opti optimized naloxone, which is life-saving drug, anti-overdose reversal medicine. And you know what? This is Indiana, but other states have reported 
uh, more than 600 to 700% increases over the last 10 years. So what's interesting about this, too, is we've been talking about data, and this is the data that the states see in their silos of information, if you will. But there is a new Route 50 article that just was um, published on August 7th of this year, and it's saying that the problem that we see is much worse than we realize. So they're thinking that some states are um, not seeing up to 24% more um, overdoses than what is being reported because data is hiding in nook and crannies of different areas. And so how do you find that data? It's, you know, one-offs in uh, first responders. It could be cause of death drugs, but it doesn't say opioids, that type of thing. So the problem is actually bigger than what we're seeing here today. You raised a really interesting point, Michelle, as, as you were talking, and that, you know, is knowing how bad the problem is, is like at least half the battle, if not more. And if you remember, that's something we saw with infant mortality as well, is that we had a lot of aggregate information about the problem, but we, we needed a lot more granular information about the problem, and once you drill into the problem uh, and know more about it, sometimes the solutions kind of naturally present themselves as you move forward. So it's great to hear that Indiana is, you know, digging into the sources of the problem and pinpointing where the problems are uh, as well. But to really know how to um, pinpoint the problems, you need a framework, right, which we've already talked about, which is where Indiana's, as as you know, because you and I have worked on this together, uh, you know, they really have put a, a really good framework together or a platform to help solve these problems. So let's talk briefly about their MPH program and how that set them up really well uh, to move quickly on data analytics uh, in the opioid crisis. Great. So, Chris, I know we've talked a lot about data and technology, which you and I both love dearly, <laughs> but it really is starting with the people problem. And what I love about what Indiana did, it was very smart. When they started this program, they focused on the people aspect of things. So they created what you see here as the Management Performance Hub. It's a group of folks that were underneath the OMB office to really focus on a couple things, key performance indicators and how is the state performing, but then also looking at use cases like infant mortality, crashes on state-controlled roads, um, fraud, and also obviously the opiate epidemic. But I love, it. I love this example because they took and built a platform to be able to look at all of those. So I would encourage listeners, instead of doing one-off reports, spending grant money on one-off applications to get insight into one thing, start thinking about the aha moment of building a, you know, a data hub, a place where you can get information and show it quickly um, and get insight. And so what I call kind of the kitchen junk drawer of data, they put everything um, either connected to it or use technologies to gain insight into various data sets. Um, they brought the system to life. They built a performance hub underneath the governor's office, you know, with touchable screens, writable walls, bringing the data together, and seeing people see their data come to life for the first time in analytics was huge. So I think they did a lot of smart things. And what I truly love, love, love about this is that they keep adding to the mix. So the opiate issue as it was emerging as a 500% increase problem was something they could get quickly and gain insight. So KSM Consulting was able to build a series of algorithms to gain insight into all of these. And once you add more data sets, it's a continual process looking at any use case. So Management Performance Hub is one way of doing this across agencies. You know, obviously this can still be done within the agency itself, so you don't have to boil the ocean. But I say you start small to go big, and that's exactly what they've done here. 
Uh, here's how I like to think about it. Um, uh, the uh, management performance hub is like a video game system, and then that you, you buy the system, and then and then, or you build the system in this case, and then uh, you get to play different games on it. And um, uh, you know, the state of Indiana has um, has played a number of games on their their MPH system. Um, infant mortality, recidivism, uh, and now opioids. And and not to make light of, of of the problem, but it's just an analogy that I think works that people can understand. Um, you know, you can't – my kids can't play Super Mario, um, you know, without a Wii, at the same way that states can't really solve these problems without um, figuring out uh, how to bring all the data together in a single place and do the analysis on it. So – um, we've talked about MPH in the past, and listeners will be very familiar with it. But uh, thanks for that reminder, uh, Michelle, uh, for why it's so important. So, Michelle, how did Indiana use this platform um, to really define the outcomes that they were specifically looking to achieve uh, as they combated the opioid crisis? So there are a lot of things happening. Uh, they were able to look at, you know, the different types of opioids coming into the state, where they were coming in at geographically by county, what was happening. But they really wanted to get to outcomes, right? If you're going to do anything or spend your life's energy on something, you know, it's great to get to that outcome and to make a difference, certainly in citizens' lives. So some of the things that happened from bringing those disparate data sets that we showed you earlier together and gaining insight was looking at, you know, where are the best locations for overdose treatment centers? If, if the epicenter is happening at the southern end of a county, you know, don't build or have the program at the northern end of the county where you have to do public transportation across multiple, you know, bus stops, spending money to get to it. You, you know, if someone's going to spend $5, what will they spend it on? So really looking at where you can provide those um, best treatment centers and, you know, what kind of treatment centers. So getting to spending those resources correctly, um, where to deploy naloxone um, to have the largest impact, right? Um, you want to save lives. You want to reverse the impact of those overdoses. And so where are they? I mean, you can have res first responders responding, obviously, to the moment. But if you can see on a heat map where the prevalence is, if it, if it pops up all of a sudden in a southern county in, in Indiana, that it's more prevalent there, then you can ship resources around, right, to have help in that area and then hopefully stop through public safety, stop those drugs from coming in across borders. Um, abuse trends that you can target, where is the help needed most? And what types of programs are they? What age group? What demographic? Who needs what where? Is it is it a rural problem? Is it something happening in the cities? All those things you can dynamically adjust because you're now using data in near near real time. So these are all things that Indiana uncovered, um, and including, uh, you know, one that they didn't anticipate, which was uh, pharmacy robberies, um, including employees pilfering either drugs or needles to be able to resell in the market where there were hot opiate spots in the state. So these are some of the outcomes that they saw. This is version one, if you will, of what they were able to start making policy and budget decisions towards. So, Michelle, we got some specificity about what outcomes Indiana has defined to fight the opioid crisis and epidemic in Indiana. What kind of advancements are they seeing uh, as they drive towards those outcomes, specifically in terms of technology. So take us through the next couple of slides uh, that really show us the results that Indiana is achieving already. Sure. Chris, this is really the fun part. So 
better quantifying the problem. As I talked about the Route 50 article earlier that, you know, up to 24% of the deaths are not captured. So really appropriately characterizing deaths where they are opiate-related versus other fields as described, heart attacks and others, getting that insight, cleaning it up, and making sure it's clean going forward. Pulling in external data really to understand on a relative basis how to compare to peers, what's going on in your state compared to other states, what's happening in cities and counties compared to your cities and counties, super important for funding reasons and, and trying to move the needle on getting resources. The biggest thing really is this drug name standardization. Uh, some people put things in as street names. Some things, you know, they're, they're put in. And so really standardizing that so you know what you're talking about. Being on the same page is a great outcome. And certainly uh, being able to bring in all of the above in different systems, cleaning it up, and combining the system in new ways to really perform that joint analysis is key. But great first outcome. And then, you know, visualizing what we just talked about on the previous slide, what does that look like, right? So um, lab test standardization, where is that happening? Where is the problem of where there may not be standards? Zooming in on it, right? Every government is a geographic organization. So being able to drill into the counties, the cities, the um, city boundaries of what you're trying to impact is huge. Really getting death records organized, because that could be across multiple jurisdictions or agencies or even private sector uh, operations. Re really, there's a ton of value, unfortunately, in the death data, but being able to look at the actual cause of death is huge. Probabilistic record linkage, being able to make sure those disparate data sets have the quality data, or even the data sets exist, bringing them together in new ways, visualizing what's happened, and really bu building that foundation we talked about earlier. But a picture says a thousand words. and show what's happening and tell a story through visualizations and data to your elected officials, to your managers, to your citizenry about what's happening. It really enables to move things forward. Yeah, Michelle, I have a comment on this one before you move forward. Um, I'm really struck. I mean, every time I see you know, um, uh, BI like this, business intelligence like this, I'm just really struck, and you know this too, like government typically doesn't even invest at this level, you know, in visualizations or analytics, and it's just a game changer for program management uh, and effectiveness in government. I mean, just look at this graph and all the information, or this chart and all the information you, uh, and the ability to pinpoint where problems are, allocate resources, um, and th this is not rocket science. You know, this can be done, being done uh, in governments across the country who are leading. And um, I read a statistic recently, 68% of government agencies are basically underinvested in analytics from a program management perspective. And um, I know that's not a shock to you because you've worked in government like I have, but just how game-changing this kind of approach can be for opioids or really, you know, any other problem that you want to solve. So that, that's the only comment I wanted to make here. Yeah, I absolutely agree. To me, I, I hope what we're talking about today, Chris, is the new way of running government, right, using a data platform to make so many changes across so many issues. Absolutely. So, you know, if you think forward, because this is never done, right, um, you, you always have new data and new things coming in. There's new technologies and new ways um, that you're able to add to the advancement. So there are ways, perhaps, with data sets that we've seen that you can actually predict with all the historical information that you have, again, governments are setting on literally decades of data, you can use that data to predict what could happen next. So how can you predict where the next outbreak would be? Where should you put naloxone? Um, really looking at the programs and services that governments deliver, which ones are effective? 
you know, which one in combination are effective, under which demographic. You know, you're able to slice the pie in so many different ways. And then data is always coming in. And, you know, the growth of data over time is going to be out, you know, amazing how much data that we're dealing with and how do we add that data continually to make a difference. So this is a, a recipe that's never done baking. <laughs> it's something that we need to continually add to. So just wanted to show you some of the things that you know, will help move the needle forward um, as you build your foundation for the opiate epidemic. And so quickly, the use case, the state of Indiana, you know, what they were able to see was the situation, right? They had 13 active opiate treatment centers. By looking at the data, by visualizing the data, by talking amongst the agencies, they're able to add five additional programs in different areas. Um, they're able to determine where they should be throughout the state. And again, this will change. This data is real-time, dynamic, ongoing. So that will change over time, too. But it's a new tool to allow you to allocate in real time. And then also really being able to um, understand which programs really are over capacity. Don't send any more people there. Where do we need more centers? Where can we do telemedicine? Where can we do other things? So really the um, state of Indiana was you know, able to understand the, the pain, the 500% growth, and start hopefully now reversing by putting uh, programs, resources in the hands of the people that need them to make this difference. That's terrific, Michelle. Um, that's great insight on a real state that has had, you know, real positive outcomes as a result of using data to fight the opioid crisis. And I'm really struck here on, on the solutions. You know, again, back to our experience in government, you know, it, without data, government is going to uh, um, uh, deploy resources based on very primitive means like, you know, where population is, um, where population centers are, and just the insight that you can get from a data-driven approach where you can say, well, maybe the opioid crisis isn't distributed by population. You know, maybe we have data that shows us that maybe it's more of a rural problem or a suburban problem. And just the insight that gives you and where you put your programs, where you certify your treatment centers, I just think is, is completely transformative uh, for the way government typically tackles problems. So thanks for that insight. And... Um, now let's transition and talk about funding opportunities. As an ex-CFO, Michelle, of course, funding opportunities are near and dear to my heart, and we know that leveraging technology requires um, resources, uh, requires uh, people, requires money, requires processes. Um, and you and I both know state and local budgets aren't exactly flush right now, nor are they ever really. It never really feels like they're flush. But there are funding opportunities out there, and um, they are being looked at. And so uh, why don't you help our listeners uh, think through possible funding sources to help fight the opioid crisis uh, and um, start with this opportunity here. And then, you know, if you want to bring in some other opportunities that you're aware of, that would be great too. So there are a bunch of grants that are out there. SAMHSA is one of the federal agencies that – manages and distributes those grants for health and human services and mental health, those types of things. And so while this first grant has passed, many of them have multiple year opportunities. So you don't have to be in the first year in some cases. You can actually apply the second year to get additional funding. Um, SAMHSA released some grants this year to every state. So every health and human services agency got a portion of millions of dollars to help with programming. Eighty percent of the money coming into that 
was for programming of services. Um, the rest can be used for other areas, you know, three to five percent overhead for, you know, managing a data platform or people or others. Or, you know, I would argue that you could actually build a data platform and use that program money to get to the so what factor. So what is this having an impact on? Is it making a difference? How do I know that? And I think what we've been talking about today, building this data platform will give you that information. But, you know, they're focused on a couple different areas, um, which is a medication-assisted treatment mat or the opiate use disorder. So those are the acronyms you'll see throughout this, and, and our health and human services folks on the call definitely know that. Rural is a huge problem with opiates, unfortunately. Um, uh, it's just harder to get to and reach and understand or even see but there's grants for that as well. So these are two examples, but there are a ton of them out there. So if you go to grants.gov and do a search on data, analytics, opiates, um, the funding is out there. You'll see it in different categories and buckets. It could be small, it could be big, um, but I can guarantee you a flood of new funding opportunities are coming with a new framework and focus that has been happening at a national level on this problem. So get familiar with this tool. Also, I would encourage you to work with SAP to, grant, to excuse me, gain grant experience from their amazing partners, the grants office. So there's a, a lot of ways of addressing this program, um, getting some multi-year funding to build a great data platform, as well as um, fund the appropriate program. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, uh, Michelle, our work on the grants office. And um, uh, I want to, our listeners, um, please contact me or Michelle if you have more questions about um, grants and funding opportunities. We'd be happy to work with you uh, on that. But I, <clears throat> I want to call your attention to one thing Michelle said. It was a, a tiny little phrase. She said, so what? And one of the things I've loved about getting to know you, Michelle, and working with you, and I want our listeners to know about you, is that Michelle asks fun little questions like that all the time. So what? And uh, Michelle uh, can 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 uh, talk theoretical with the best of them, but she can also execute. And uh, that little question uh, uh, has has helped me in the past, and I know others, Michelle, um, uh, think through how we actually execute or what we actually do with the data. So I, I just wanted to give you some kudos for that. Uh, it's one of, again one of the things that uh, that I really appreciate uh, when we work together. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Well, Michelle, our guests are probably, uh, if not likely, saying, how can we get started? How can we um, do what Indiana did? How can we start to build a platform, you know, to bring uh, opioid data together to solve this problem? So can you give our guests some tips for how they can get started uh, and start moving in the right direction? Sure. So here are, you know, three quick ways to get started. And, and please, just like Nike said, just do it. Start now, start tomorrow. This problem is not getting any smaller. It needs immediate action. So really, you know, connecting with us, scheduling an appointment with our team that we're talking today, Chris and I and others, to focus on the problem, right? What is the one issue? Is it deployment of naloxone? Is it training first responders in administration and tracking of that? Is it knowing where overdoses occur, that type of thing? What is it? Figuring out what data sets can help address the epidemic, what's available to you, in your silo, outside of your silo, um, certainly linking the data together to inform decision-making. So we can help quickly. There's no reinventing the wheel with us. We've done the work before. We have the algorithms. We know data sets to start looking at and some of the typical problems you uncover in using those particular data sets. So start quickly. We can help you move quickly. But qu also, I would love to add that 
in any good project, you need several things as well. You need executive sponsorship to move this forward, and I think most governors, mayors, city managers, county managers, others have that focus right now because it's such an issue. Get that collaboration across agencies, and, and finally there's some legal risk and other assessments you need to think about quickly to move forward, you know, due to HIPAA and PII. But, you know, Chris, this is um, government's paying for this problem one way or another through social services, kids, you know, being abandoned by parents, going into foster care, policing issues, health care costs, uh, Medicaid, Medicare. You know, we need to turn this around to start at the front to understand what the data is telling us and work to combat and turn this tide of the tsunami moving forward. So those are just quick how to get started. We can certainly have you hit the ground running instead of crawling and walking. So let us know how we can help. Michelle, that's terrific insight um, that you've helped us with today and all of our listeners. Uh, thank you. Uh, I do have one question uh, for you that I want to wrap up on. We've talked about the overall framework. We've talked about how Indiana has implemented that framework. Um, we've talked about uh, funding opportunities available uh, uh, mostly through grants. Question, though, what other states uh, besides Indiana are trying to use data to solve the crisis, or are there any other groups that are doing work uh, to try to help states solve this crisis? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, all 50 states are focusing on the opiate epidemic in general. I think there's a couple states that are focusing on it, you know, using data and actually even writing grants towards using data. So Arizona in particular have, a, have an executive order from the governor to address the issue, similar to Indiana. And, and in their recent SAMHSA grant, one of their key indicators was really looking at using data in new ways to combat the problem. Certainly Florida has another executive order saying, you know, you shall make this a high-priority issue, and, and, and also in some cases they're making it a state of an emergency, right? This is huge. It's impacting employers from being able to employ people because they can't pass drug tests. It's, it's impacting so, so many things, and so there is a lot of people focusing on this. I would also say, you know, do some research. There's two great white papers that are out there that have been done. One is by the National Governors Association. They have set up a framework for utilizing data, but also looking at different programs that may be effective across the country, as well as um, National Association of Counties. They have really good white paper on combating the healthcare issue associated with the opioid epidemic and data sets and other things. So there's a ton of resources out there. People are moving in the direction. Again, if we can help move quickly, we're able to help you start tomorrow, so let us know. Michelle, thank you so much. Um, before I wrap things up, you know, for our audience today, I just wanted to thank you for being on today. Uh, thank you for the insight, uh, once again, that you've shared. And um, I'm just struck how much we can do right now uh, to help solve this problem. Um, and so um, I hope our listeners uh, will contact you um, and me and uh, really try to get started on solving these problems. But thanks once again. I've always enjoyed working with you, Michelle, and uh, um, I'm glad that you were able to share your insights uh, with the audience today. Chris, I appreciate the opportunity, and thank you to everyone out there. And again, start now. Um, this problem's not going away, and um, hopefully there's some, some tidbit in here you're able to take away that made a difference. And I'm happy to talk, to talk to each and every one of you. Please let me know how I can help you in your jurisdiction. Chris, again, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you again, Michelle, for joining us today. Listeners, I hope you take Michelle up on her offer um, to work with you. She's terrific. Um, she can definitely help you think through opioids and, and other issues as well. 
Uh, here's our contact information uh, for me and Michelle. Again, um, we would be happy to, to have you contact us. You can even follow us on Twitter. Um, we do both do quite a bit on Twitter as it relates to technology. Uh, a couple other housekeeping items before we wrap up our show today. Um, KSM Consulting does have a white paper on opioids, which has been posted in the additional resource list here uh, in the webinar, which you should be able to easily access uh, if you've joined this webinar. Please uh, click on that, take a look at it. A lot more of their thought leadership on opioids is contained in there. And then we mentioned um, uh, grants during the webinar today, too. Um, we, SAP, we do work with uh, a third-party grants office uh, to help you identify grant opportunities um, to combat issues like opioids. And I know how much you all love uh, doing uh, uh, grant paperwork and, and, and uh, applying for grants. So we've tried to take some of the sting out of that for you by uh, helping you identify appropriate grants for your agency's needs. And uh, we can even, again, help you with the paperwork. So please contact me if you have any questions uh, about that as well. And just once again, thank you all uh, for listening. We couldn't do this if it wasn't for you. Um, and uh, uh, I know I personally love being ex-government, uh, knowing that government um, uh, employees and customers are listening in and uh, who all have challenges and face challenges just like we did in the state of Indiana years ago when I worked for them. So that gives me comfort to know that you all are uh, facing similar challenges now and that I can, I can talk to you and bring experts like Michelle to talk to you. Uh, each and every week to try to help you solve those challenges because it's all about the citizen and it's all about meeting their needs. That's what government is all about. And an uh, issue like opioids is bipartisan, something we can all get behind no matter our politics or our backgrounds. And so I just really enjoy doing this and, and continue to be amazed uh, at all the people that join us. And uh, with that, uh, so long until next month, and I uh, really hope that you enjoyed today's webinar. Look forward to connecting with all of you on opioids and other issues. See you until next month.